Lord, thank you for this, for this morning, God. And we call it joy to be here today because we are in the presence of the living God. And I pray that you would continue to speak. I pray that you would continue to love people right where they're at this morning. Lord, help me share your word this, this day. Would it be truth? Would it be life, God? Would it be a challenge to us this morning to be more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. So the last couple of weeks, we transitioned into a new series called Core Values, Last week, we talked about biblical values and what the Bible talks about um, and what values that it really is and has. And we really have to come, to come to a place as being a believer, as somebody following Jesus, that until we grasp those biblical core values, guys, we really, have, we really are going to struggle to do these next two things and really jump into what I believe is kind of the progression of creating your own values is first and foremost, we got to fall in love with what the Bible says. We got to fall in love with what we've been obediently called to do. And until that happens, you are going to wrestle. You are going to struggle. You are going to constantly find yourself lost most of the time because you haven't submitted to what the Bible says and what it talks about and, and, and how it's calling us to live our lives. So without embracing those values, it's kind of hard to go to this next one, which is now your spiritual home, your, our, our church values, kind of what do we value here as a church? And a lot of them come, and, and anything that I'm going to show you today has come directly out of this book and what I believe is the DNA. I, I believe it's what God's called us to be as a church. Every church, why they're so great is because they're so different. Every church has a different call. Every church has a different position in the city, and they're called to do different things. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that there is a structure that way, that the body has been built in a way that it operates and functions in a different way. Imagine, and, and you've heard this and you've heard other people say this, but imagine if we were all thumbs, would be pretty hard, right? Would be pretty difficult because the thumb can only do certain things. The thumb on its own can't really grab anything. The thumb on its own, you might be able to catch a ride somewhere, right? But there's really not much. We need the fingers. We need the wrists. We need the arms, the elbows. Every part of our body is created for a specific reason. And just like the body of Christ has been created for a very specific reason, and, and there's legs out there, there's thumbs out there, there's, there's elbows out there, but there's a different position and a different part that each, that each church has to play. And we have that same position. We have something here that we believe that we're called to do and we're called to do it the way that we do it. And a lot of times people, when they go into churches, they, they, they want to... They want the church to agree with them more than they want to agree with the church. Ooh, man, that one just kind of went, ooh, that one stung a little bit. We want the church to agree with us. And that's just because we have different values. And that's not a bad thing because you might value some pretty amazing things. You might value things that are, that are awesome and wonderful, but they don't align and value with where you're at and where you've tried to plug yourself in, and sometimes you find a hard time plugging yourself in because it really comes down to asking this question, do we value the same thing? And some of us would say, well, we both value Jesus, and that's, that's fantastic, and that's wonderful, and I'm, and I'm glad for that. But in a church alone, it's going to be very difficult if that's the only value that you have in common. Because when we want to go do something, when we want to go outside of these walls or we want to change something in here or, or we want to bring something from this stage out to you, if we don't value things, we're going to have a hard time receiving them. We're going to have a hard time welcoming them. And this morning, I, I'm going to go through and, and, 
and talk about what our values are and, and what it means to be somebody who is plugging in and connecting themselves at Life Church. And because I know there's, there's a lot of you that come and I see your faces on a regular basis, a lot of you have looked at these and have seen these and have gone, I'm a part of that and I want to be a part of that. And my hope is that we can continue to grow that because if our core values aren't extending, if our core values aren't multiplying into other people, then we really aren't reaching to the capacity that we need to be reaching. And a lot of times, guys, what, sh- what, what is short-circuiting a church is because you have some people saying yes and some people saying maybe. And the hope is that we all get to a place where we all say yes. Where we all say, I'm in. Where, where, where we all say, I'll go wherever God's calling us to go. I want to partner with that. I want to give my time to that. I want to give my talent to that. I want to give my treasure to that. I'll do whatever it takes to get us where we believe God wants us to go. But most churches short circuit because it's like half and half are on board. Some are saying yes, and some are saying maybe. And not too often you get people saying no. The people who typically say no are people who won't stick around for a very long time and find their way somewhere else, and and that is wonderful. That is awesome. God bless them, and I I hope that they find places that that they can partner with the values of what the church has. I brought this forward last week, and I want to read it again because it's going to stand true to, to this to this message, whether we're talking about the Bible, whether we're talking about the church, or whether we're talking about our own values, we need to, uh, we need to understand this. Son of mine, can you put the next screen up? Thanks, bud. Core values are those things that we believe to be important and that provide direction and guidance in spite of emotions. They are all motivational, giving us the reason why we do things, and they are restrictive, placing boundaries around behavior. Highlighted that last week, emotions. Values aren't built on emotions. They're built on truth. They're built on something that you can tangibly grab and hang on to, but too often you and I live in emotion. We make decisions out of emotion. Good ones and bad ones, right? The last thing you ever want to do is make a decision that's going to be for your family when you're mad. And even challenge you with this statement. When you're happy, you should be challenged in not making any major decisions for your family. When you're happy. Because happy is going to change. Happy is going to go away. But what doesn't? Joy doesn't go away. Peace doesn't go away. Joy and peace have nothing to do with with emotion. They have everything to do with truth and stability. And those are are the ways and those are the places we want to get when we're talking about what we value. And anything we do and everything that we're talking about values, they got to be motivational. They got to be something that's bigger than you. They got to be something that's going to take you from where you are and possibly take you somewhere that God is calling you to be. Restrictive placing boundaries. There's a reason for that, guys. We need boundaries. We need boundaries in our lives. We really do. If we don't have boundaries in our lives, we will find ourselves partaking in things that we shouldn't be partaking in. But once we set those boundaries around us and we set them to the standards and the value that the word has, they really keep us from making poor emotional decisions. They really do, guys. And some of us battle the whole boundary thing, especially when you are somebody new or talking to somebody who who doesn't know Christ, it seems like there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of regulations. Yeah, that seems that way because somebody really loves you and somebody really cares about you and somebody wants the best for you. So they're creating these boundaries so you don't step out and do stupid things. Anybody ever do stupid things? That's why you need boundaries.
But we find ourselves there, guys. We find ourselves stuck in those sometimes, and sometimes we, we, we make those decisions, and we, and we do things, and man, we just process them at the wrong time. And hopefully we begin to understand what these values are and we begin to, to really grab hold of them and live them and, 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 and begin to put them into our lives. Next week, we're gonna end with uh, the home and, 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 and how do we create our values in our house? And I have a little worksheet that I'm gonna hand out to everybody. So there, there's, there's gonna be a little bit of pen moving next week. You're gonna have to do something at church. Oh my gosh. Wow. Because I want us to come to a place where we understand that our families have to be structured in a certain way. We want our families to go somewhere. We want our families to become something that, that, that the word is calling them to. I want to give you some tools to help you with that. But before we go on to that, we're here today talking about our church values. And I don't believe and I don't think, and I am the leader of this group here, and I, I can honestly say this, that I've been challenged over the last couple of months to really think about how well of a job have we done of communicating these values. I think if I were begin to ask people a kind of what... What is life church value? I think we could come up with some pretty good stuff. And, and some of you that have been here longer might even get closer to, to understanding and knowing most of them. I called, I called one of my friends and kind of did this uh, kind of, I called several people actually that go to, go to different churches and they're in different states. And I asked them because they're very committed into their churches. And I asked them, do you know what your church values and one of my friends said, I can't tell you like what it is, like word for word, but the church does a really good job of communicating it. <laughs> and I said, all right, awesome, awesome. And he loves his church. He loves being there. He, 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 his wife serves there in, in, in one area and, and he serves in another one and they're always talking great things about it. And I thought, well, that's awesome. But I kind of wonder if, man, how much do we really know about where we're at? And do we really believe in where we're at? And some of us can be sitting here and you go, Eric, I, you know what, Eric? I really like you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that. But let me tell you this. And let me tell you this statement that, that a wonderful, uh, that, that a pastor of mine told me many, many years ago. And they said this. If you come here because of me, you'll leave here because of me. I, I'm going to do something wrong, guys. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make you mad. Some way or somehow, I'm going to do something that you don't like. I'm going to say something that offends you. I'm going to do something that, that is going to be the reason you're coming here is because of me. I'm going to be the reason now that you leave. I don't mean to do that. I don't want to do that. But I'm a human being just like all of you, and I make mistakes. And sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say. Sometimes I act out in my emotions sometimes that offends people. And if you want to have a job, you want to have a career where you always have to worry about offending people, be a pastor. Be a pastor. Because you're constantly offending people and you don't even know that you're offending them. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty awesome at the same time too. But I want to bring these up here and I want you guys to see these and I want to kind of tie them through and, and, and really bring you to understanding of how these values work in the life of our church. We believe in generosity. And these are not in order. They're not in from, you know, from one to seven. This is the most important. They're just, they all hold equal value to me. Generosity, relational discipleship, the next generation, the lost, community, the presence of God, and the word of God. Those are the values that we hold here as a church. I'll let that sit there. You guys can look at it. And I want to 
We're in a second here, I'm going to walk us through them, and, and I want to point in direction of how they all work in the life of our church that will help some of you go, oh, that's why we do this. That's why this happens. That's why that happens. That's why we do in a part of this and why we're challenged to do these things and yada, yada, yada. So the first one we're going to start off with is generosity. Generosity is shown here at Life Church through tithing, through meeting needs, special offerings. Scripturally, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Generosity, guys. We want to do that. Joy Sunday, why that's so important to me, why that's so important to us here is because I want you to experience and value this. Somebody said this, and, and, I, and, and it was so good that I'm going to say it for the rest of my life, probably. In being in this position, that wonderful word tithing is probably one of the greatest and deepest issues in the life of church, people giving their money to the church, right? Somebody asked this question, and they said this, do you question when you pay your money to Netflix or to anybody that you give your money to, Hulu, do you question them? Do you look them up and go, what are they doing with my money? Anybody do that? No. But when it comes to the life of the church and we're asked to do something that we're called to do, well, what's the church doing with my money? Paying the light bill? Making sure that your kids have uh, snacks? Making sure that there's people that are serving here they're getting paid, making sure that we have a building that we can meet in, making sure that, that we can be generous to people when they need help. Oh, but maybe you thought the, the pastor was out doing something weird with your money. Guys, I'm not, and the church isn't. We're trying to be the best stewards that we can possibly be with what is given in this church. Praise God. And we have a vision that's beyond this church. So you need to understand that that's why it's an important value for us to become people that are generous. Because we want to do greater things than what we're currently doing. And if you don't know this or if you've never heard this or you haven't understood this, to do things takes money. Okay? It takes money. It takes it. And, and, and this one here, you need to soak this scripture up and just kind of let it sit inside of you. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but becomes to poverty. That's not my words. That's, that's the word of God. Some of us who struggle with generosity, you wonder why you're struggling with poverty. You wonder why the dollars aren't going far enough. You wonder why you, you just can't get ahead. One of God's values and one of the things that he values more than anything is generosity, guys, because it's what prospers you. It's what gets you ahead. Giving gets you ahead. We live in a world where taking is wanting to get us ahead. But in God's economy, it's all about giving. It's all about being more. It's all about trusting. And the more we can become like that, guys, I promise you, the more we'll understand what it is to give in the times when there's bigger needs. We'll step up to the plate and be able to say, here we go. Relational discipleship. That's the next one here. How does that come out here? It comes out in life groups. It comes out in men's and women's connection. 
one-on-one connection, marketplace evangelism. A big deal for us is to get connected into a life group. That's where I believe most and, and should be happening where our discipleship is taking place and where it's deepening within the life of people. I keep hearing stories and testimonies. Uh, we just had a meeting with all of our life group leaders, and it was so awesome to hear everybody share about somebody that God is – to hear about what God was doing in people's lives because of the connections that they were having at life group. It's important. The men's and the women's connections, what are those? Once a quarter, our, our, our wonderful and amazing Kathy Wisner puts, puts together a women's gathering where she goes all out and decorates this place and makes it look amazing and just goes to the nines. Those are those moments. Why do we, why do, we do that? Because we want women to have an opportunity to come together, meet some other women, that possibly you leave this place in a deeper relationship and you continue to grow outside of these walls together. And some of you, some of the ladies sitting, well, I haven't met anybody. Have you been to any of those? Have you participated in any of those? Men, we just got done having uh, a dinner and a putt-putt competition. Ours come out a little bit different. All right, um, I am one of the most probably highly competitive people in this church, and I like to do things that go that way, and that's good and it's bad. I'm just putting it out there. I lost in the bing bag or in the cornhole competition. I got knocked out by mental mistakes. <laughs> mental mistakes. My partner and I physically were crushing it. Mentally, not so good. Man. Still hurts, Michael. Still hurts. But that's how we're connecting one on one. I'm a big guy that um, if I, and I'm not going to ask everyone to raise your hands, but if I asked you if I've ever connected with you one on one, there's a majority of you in this room that are going to raise your hand because I believe in that. And I believe it's something that needs to go further into everybody's job. It's everybody's job as a believer to do that, to have one on one connections with people. Marketplace evangelism. There's not a greater way for somebody to come to know Jesus than by you sharing Jesus with them. There's not a better way, guys. There's just not a better way. We can do this this great, let's do a friend's day. Invite your friends to church. I invited five friends. None of them came. That's because you're not showing them Jesus outside of this building. Ooh. I'm saying stuff this morning. It's hurting a little bit. Just just shake it off. Just shake it off because there's more coming. Marketplace evangelism. That's a fancy name for this. Show people that you love Jesus. Show people that you love Jesus. Whether it's an action towards them or maybe it's just the way you carry yourself. Because I promise you, some of us are carrying ourselves way differently out there than we do in here. And what does that say? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an amazing thing, guys. I value this. I want our church to value this, that I'm taking responsibility for what God has called me to do. Here's a, the culture of church has reversed over the last several decades. We made it the responsibility of the church to be the ones telling people about Jesus instead of making it the responsibility of the people telling people about Jesus. Here's a very crazy, here's a very crazy thought. Let's say we do this wonderful thing where we 
say we're doing this amazing outreach here at the church and, and we do all this stuff and, 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 and let's just even put financial numbers in it to say, you know what, we're going to invest $10,000 into this thing, right? We do this thing and typically the average of something like that is the return on the investment is very, very low. You get two or three families that come walking in, wonderful, awesome. One of them says yes to, to, to Jesus, awesome, hallelujah, praise God. What if this, though? What if everybody this week decided to talk to one person that they know about Jesus? Just one. What do you think the return on investment would be there? What if we were living our lives in such a way that Jesus was always coming out of us, that Jesus was always excited about us, that we were always excited about Jesus? What would happen if each and every one of us just said, hey, I want you to come with me somewhere that I value and that I believe is a place where you'll learn something about the people and the thing I've been talking to you about. You know what would happen, guys? Next week, we would probably almost double in one week without really investing anything except for our time. Something to think about. I was playing golf this, uh, this past um, Friday. Yeah, I played golf on Friday. And we got partnered with this gentleman named Bob. And uh, Bob was probably in his early 60s. He works at IBM. Uh, been, been, been working at IBM since he graduated from college. He's married. He has three kids and one grandson that he showed me his picture of that he was highly proud of. Wearing a Fonzie outfit. Some of you just don't even know what I said by using the name Fonzie, right? Look it up. Google happy days. Google that, and you'll see Fonzie, and his grandson's there and everything, and, and we played, and we talked, and, and we went back and forth, and at the end of the, and at the, end of the thing, and, and during the conversation, he tells me that, they, that, that he goes to Hyde Park Baptist Church. I was like, that's awesome, man. We got done playing, and I looked at him, and I said, is there anything I can pray for you for? And he says, my daughter's 37 years old, and uh, last month, she had a stroke. And he said, she's healthy, she's, she, she does it, but she's under so much stress and it's under so much pressure. Would you pray for that? And I said, yeah, I can pray for that. And her name is Delilah. Cool. Just a cool name. Just saying it was cool. Delilah. I know it's not the great biblical reference, okay? <laughs> Delilah wasn't the best person, but the name, awesome. Okay. I did that playing golf, guys. I did that out having fun. Some of you might not think golf is fun. I think it's really fun, okay? It happened there with a person I never even met. How many people do you know who don't know what you believe? How many people do you know that have no idea that coming here on Sundays is of value and is important to you? How many people do you know that don't know that you love Jesus? Because I believe in this, guys. I believe in relational discipleship. I, be, I, I, I agree with what Acts 2, 42 through, 20, through 47 says. I agree with that. I want to see that. The next generation, we believe in that. Roots, it's the name of our children's ministry. Rise is the name of our youth ministry. Serving on, on Sundays, we are, we are trying to do whatever we can to create an environment within Roots and Rise that'll help them reach people. That's why we're investing into that building over there. If you haven't been over there lately, you should go look at it. There's, uh, there's video games all over the place. There's couches. They have their own, uh, they have their own area now. 
Uh, they, they're just doing an amazing, amazing things. Dan's is here. He's, he's doing awesome, and his team is knocking it out of the park because we believe in the next generation. We believe in that next generation carrying the gospel forward. Psalm 78, 4 through 6 we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. First Peter 2, 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're trying to get that sowed into our kids. That's why it's important, guys, that sometimes some might think that, man, I, I, just, I just babysat for the entire day. You know what? You just had the opportunity to love kids. You just had the opportunity to show the love of Christ to these little babies, to these young people. Take it as an opportunity every time we're in front of the next generation that it's your opportunity to show them something that Jesus is and what he's doing. Because if they can catch it at a young age, they will carry it into their old age. And they will give it away to, to the next generation, to the next generation, because they've learned to do that from you. And we're going to continue to do that. A few, uh, just a little less than a month ago, guys, we raised thousands of dollars to send our kids to camp. And a few weeks ago, you heard testimonies of people that were impacted by that. We value them going to camp. We value investing into them. That's why we're going to give those opportunities to be generous so we can do things like that. The next generation is important. If we're not building the next generation, guys, we are going to fall short in the future of the gospel. Understand this, that today you might be holding somebody. You might be talking to somebody who just might be your pastor one day. Or just might be your doctor one day. Wouldn't you want to know that you did whatever you could to make sure that those people were falling in love with Jesus? Because the influence that they'll have and what they're going to do, you play a part in that. You play a part in that. And it's really easy as, as parents... We say this, and it's easy to, to say stuff like this. Well, you know, I have my own family. I don't have enough time for anybody else. We all have time for the lost. We all have time for the next generation. We all do. You got time to binge watch? How come no one's hand went up when I said binge, binge, binge watch? No one's hands we got no binge watchers in, in here? Oh, I, of course, not in this room. Not in this room, no way. We don't have any binge watchers, right? No. We don't have people who, who aimlessly look at their things for hours at a time, but don't have time for anything else to do what God's called you to do. God's called you to serve. God's called you to be obedient in so many areas. Not in here. My mistake. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Not this church. The lost. How does that come out? Community outreaches. Personal invitations to church. Sharing your faith. Special services. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Easter, we did a big Easter egg hunt out here in our community. And guys, it was awesome to be somewhere for the first time that we had never been and have people show up from the community who walked around just thanking and praising us for doing something for them. 
In a couple of weeks, we're the, the, there's a possibility of us getting another opportunity of going into that same park for National Night Out. Anybody know what that is? We've been asked by the city, um, partnered with, uh, with uh, Jana as being one of the uh, chaplains. They're asking if we would host something in the park over here again. Another reason to, to bring out the cornholes. Revenge. Our comeback. Bring out the cornholes again. Cook some burgers. Cook some hot dogs. Just love on our community so they can recognize who Jesus is. See, guys, everything ties together. Everything works together. My prayer always is this, guys, that our hearts would break for the lost. That our hearts would break for the lost. Well, Eric, what does that mean? Does that mean someone who's trying to get to, to Walmart and they can't figure out how to get there? No. The lost is the reference to people who don't know Jesus. The lost is people who don't know the saving grace that you've experienced. That your heart would go, they need what I have. And guys, for some of us, we're just not experiencing what we have. We're not deepening our relationship with what we have. A lot of us have become stagnant. You know what stagnant is? Not moving, not doing anything, not feeding ourselves, not, not, not changing and transforming. We just kind of settle in the knowledge, yeah, Jesus loves me right on. I will continue doing life the way I do life, and that's good enough. It's not supposed to be like that. We're transforming from glory to glory to glory because God's doing something in our lives every single day. And that's why we have the ability to share with people what God's doing. But are we doing that? Is my heart for the lost? Can I value what you value? This is a big one for me. Community. Sunday mornings. Lunch after church. Ooh, I don't like that place. Well, guess what? I don't either, but I like you. And I want to hang out with you. Okay? Get that. Taco Tuesday. Ooh, I don't like tacos. I hate Mexican food. Well, guess what? I like Mexican food. All right? Not the best tacos. But I want to be there with you. I want to hang out. Life groups, is it, an, is it convenient to, to put another thing in my day or in my week? Is it convenient? It's not, but I value community so I make it happen. I clear my, when, my every other Wednesday out. I clear it so I can be part of a life group. There's other things that we could be doing, but I value community. Holiday events, when we do Easter, when we do the 4th of July picnic, Guys, that, 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 we, we could have done a thousand other things that day, but I value community here at that church, and I want an opportunity for us to get together and hang out, have fun, make memories. There's stuff that happened that day that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of years. The stuff that, that people did that I lost for two years in a row after I told everybody that I was going to win. Yes, we're still talking about it. The Myers just reminded me of that the other day because they won two years ago. Yeah. Inviting people over for a meal. When was the last time you said, hey, come over. I want to cook some food for you. Right? Some of you would say this. Well, Eric, I'm not a very good cook. Order out. They don't need to know you didn't cook it. All right? They don't need to know. Right? Or go meet up somewhere. Go somewhere. Whenever we go out, guys, we, we call somebody almost every time when we go out to eat and say, hey, you want to have a meal? You want to go eat with us? You want to come over? I had people at my house last night until midnight watching some really good UFC. It was good stuff last night. It was good. But I believe in this, guys. And that's why we make those invitations. Well, you, you know what, Eric? Uh, lunch after church, I don't like big crowds. Well, what family would you just invite by yourself then? Right? 
You don't have to go with everybody. Why not just say one couple that you don't know? Hey, what are you guys doing after lunch? I mean, what are you guys doing after church? Let's go to lunch. Somebody came up to me one time and said this. They said, Eric, I've, I've been going to, I, I've been, they, were, they were visiting churches and, and trying to find a home church. And they said this. They said, we had two people invite us to lunch the first day that we came to visit your church. We had been to 68 churches and not once did we get an invitation from anybody to do anything. We value community here. We value it. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10 24 through 25. And then again, we have in the book of Acts what I already read, guys. We believe this stuff. We value this stuff. The presence of God. Sunday worship. That's why this is important to us. That's why we have a group of people that meet every Thursday. Actually, they meet on they meet on Tuesdays as one group, and then they meet another group, and then the rest of them meet on Thursdays to get ready to have an experience here on Sunday mornings that we invite the presence of God here. It's no mistake that what comes out of these speakers and what comes out of this equipment here. We've purposely invested into it because we want to have the best experience that we possibly can. And if you don't think that's important, go somewhere and try to do something where the sound is really bad. You hate it, right? Anybody know the better movie theaters in town? And you'll tell me that, oh yeah, the sound's so much better. It's so much better there. That's why I go there. Well, why is that important to you? Because it just is, right? That's why you went out and spent that's why you went and got, you didn't get the $25 speaker at home. You got the $1,000 speaker at your house. Why? Because it had to sound good. Same thing here, guys. We want to value the presence of God, and we understand that all those little pieces come together. And how that ushers in the presence of God is when everything together is working good and there's no distractions. Distractions cut off the presence of God. They do. And if, if we can alleviate those and we can get those, we're going to connect here. And that's why we continue to invest in that. Ministry time. Why it's important to us at the, at the end of services. Why we pray for people. Because we know the presence of God is here and is living in this place. And we want to make sure that you get a moment to experience what God's doing. Gifts of the Spirit. We believe in that, guys. We want to see God move. We want you to be able to share the gifts that God's given you, and that comes when you are in his presence. If God is speaking something to you, if he's sharing something, if there's a prophetic word that God has laid on your heart, we want you to be able to share that here openly. We want you to be able to speak that to the church because that's what it's calling us to do. And when we're in the presence of God, God wants to speak and he's going to use his kids to make it happen. And again, life groups. It's important, guys, when you're connecting and you're getting into these and there's a vulnerability that you're learning about life groups and, and what's going on there, you begin to understand the importance of the presence of God. All of these tie in, guys. There's a reason why we do everything. No one will be able to stand against you all of your days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Important stuff. And the last one that I'll say, guys, and I hope by now that you understand this is a deep value for us. And that's the word of God. Daily devotions. I talk about that almost every week. Get into the word. Because the word of God brings wisdom. It brings knowledge. There's truth. 
And we throw life groups back into there too because we're, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're referring to. That's what we're going back to. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe that, guys. I believe that everything you need to know for everything you're going to do is in this book. Anything. Your job, in here. Well, Eric, I'm an engineer. There's engineering wisdom in this book. Raising your kids, in this book. Playing golf, in this book. Patience. Patience. In the book. It's a value here, guys. It's why we try to push it. It's why we try to, to, to talk about it. This next statement, we're about done. I know this is, this is more informational today than anything, guys, but we got to go through it. Go to the next one, bud. Most church conflict comes from people having different values. Most church conflict within the life of church comes because you and I value different things. Example, right? I think and I value the word of God, okay? One of my values, one of our church values. Guess what? You don't. You think that this book is maybe truthful, because it was written a long time ago, and you know, men wrote this book. And because men wrote it, it probably is flawed and probably has all these issues and has all these things going on. And you know what? I really can't believe what's in this book. So when I tell you that this book is life and this book has everything that you possibly need, you look at me and go, no, it doesn't. Nah, some of it does, but not totally. And now we're in conflict. Now I've offended you. Now I've done something because you don't value what I value. And it goes on and on and on and on, thing after thing after thing. And it really, really, that's really what it comes down to is you value something more than I do. And guys, I'm going to close with this, with this picture that I want to paint for you guys. And what I believe it really comes down to and put the last slide up there, bud. It's unity versus agreement. You and I, in the life of church, and next week I'm really going to talk a lot about it in the life of marriage and, and in our families. But most of us, most of the time, we live in agreement. This is what, this is what agreement looks like right here. But the Lord wants us to live in unity. There's a different position between this and this. You see what I just did? Interlocked my fingers. This is much harder to break. This is kind of, this, this means that I'm hanging on as tight as you're hanging on and that I believe that we're going the same way. This, this will probably get us through things a little easier than this will. This is going to hurt the tips of my fingers really, really bad if I try to break through something like, like this. But this is what agreement typically looks like and what we typically value our relationships is, is through agreement. And let me, let, me, let me speak to this. It's we decide to do something, right? We decide that, um, we decide that we're going to go to the park and we're going to reach the lost and we're going to do something. And everyone says, yeah, let's do it. We're in agreement. The day of the event, it rains. And the day you agreed to this, you were looking at your handy dandy little phone going, oh, the forecast says it's going to rain, so I don't know if this is a really good idea. But yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's, let's do it. I agree. I agree. The day comes and it's raining. Told you it was going to rain. See? See? Told you. Told you it was going to rain. We should have never have done this. We should have never have planned this. This was dumb. Ugh. They did it again. Ugh. Unity says, 
it's raining. What else can we do? It's raining. Let's go get some umbrellas. Let, let's, let's figure out how to get through this issue. Let's figure out how to make this work because we were in unity and we want to see this happen because we believe in the lost. We want to see people get saved and that's why we're going to do this. Unity says, let's make it happen. But guys, too often we live in agreement in church. And some of you sitting in this room right now, you're in agreement with what we do, but you're not in unity with what we do. So when we ask to do some of these things, you, you go, oh yeah, this is my church. This is my home. I, I'm a part of this, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't do those things. I'm, I, that's not me. No, no. That, God didn't gift me that way. grateful that when he said and uses words in this wonderful amazing book that says that I can do all things that in this wonderful book he he says that he's given us gifts that are beyond the way you're made that he gives us gifts to be able to accomplish the work that he's called you to do see so it's really not about you it's still about him and as a church, guys, if we don't live in unity and we constantly live in agreement, we're not going to get where God wants us to go. We're just not. Because when I ask and come on this stage at times or, or somebody else comes on this stage and says, we need money to do this. When you're in agreement with me, you'll go, ooh, can't do that. When you're in unity with us, yeah, yeah. Here you go. You need anything else? When you're asked to help and come to serve and be a part of something, when you're in agreement, you go, yeah, no, no, no. I don't want it. When you're in unity, it's going to cost you something and you still say yes. There's something important about that, guys. There's something important about understanding and living in, in that. And here's the deal, and I'll only, I'll only get on the surface of this today. But some of you live that way with the church because that's the way you're living at home. You're in agreement at home. You're not in unity at home. You're not in unity in your home. You're in agreement. How do you know that? Because you and your... Uh, you know, husband and wife agree to do something, but as soon as the bad part of that happens, one of you who didn't fully agree with it and wasn't in unity with it looks at the other person and says, I told you so. See, that was a dumb idea. Why did you lead our family this way? Why did you do this? Why did you blah, 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 blah. When you're in unity, when those moments come, you look at each other and go, how do we get through this now? How do we figure this out? How do we get to the other side of this? And guys, as a church, I'm hoping for unity. I'm hoping that we come to this place so you really have to ask yourself these questions. You really have to process this. Abram, can you put that, that last, the slide up with all of the values on them? to ask yourself this can I be a part of this can I be a part of what this church wants me to do can I be a part of these things and even as I broke them down and I showed you some things are those things that I can be a part of are those things that I can get excited about are those things that I'm willing to share with other people because the church will only go as far as the people that are involved in what the church is about. The church can't go further than what they're believing for and what they're believing in. Because see, I'm, I'm bought in, guys. I'm all the way in. Anybody who knows me can look at every single one of those and go, yep, that's Eric. 
Yup, that's Leah. Yup, that's what Abram and Grace are becoming. Yup, that's them. Can we say that as a unified church? Yup, I can do that. Yup, I can be a part of that. See, because, no, you, you know what? Because, you know, I'm, I, I'm asking for some type of a class to happen. And, and that's because that's where discipleship is, is, is in a class. You know what? We have a class going on right now. And I'm grateful for that class. But that class is not overruling this. Right? I'm grateful for what's being taught and what's being learned but it means it opens up a bigger door for the people going through that class to be able to do this better. That's how I look at that. That's how I see that. Well, Eric, you know what? We, we, we used to do this at my other church like this. Oh, hey, let me tell you something. You're not at your other church anymore. Man. Yeah, you're not. And you're probably gonna leave this church for the same reason you left that church. But I'm going to say something to you that maybe they didn't say to you. I'm okay with that. Because I want you to find somewhere that you can call home. I want you to call, I want you to find somewhere where you can look at their values and go, I'm in. I'm in. They want me to, to wear white on Sundays. I'm wearing white. You know what? Here, today, we asked you to wear an aloha. It wasn't that crazy, was it? I didn't have one. I had to go buy one. But I would do that just because I'm a part of this. And I'm a part of what's going on here. And I want to be a part of that. I want to get to unity, guys. I want to get to a place where we're all on board with what God's doing. And there's a lot of people that aren't here. There's a lot of people that I, that, that are that I wish one day I could share something like this and make sure that everybody's here, but it's not realistic. But for those of you that are here and that you're agreeing with this, my hope is that you would run with this and share this with others. My hope is that you would take this and talk about this to others. My hope is that this would become what helps you decide what your values are in your home. And we're gonna get there. So as we move forward, guys, and as we think about what God's doing and where he wants to take us, and you've heard the vision, you've heard of what we want to be. We want nine more churches in this area. We want to see that happen from, from, from Round Rock to Leander to the rest of Cedar Park into Jonestown. We want to see this happen. And, and until we're in complete unity, that's not going to happen. Because I'm going to try to go and there's going to be a group that are going to go with me and the rest of us are going to drag the heels and we just can't fool you. We just can't fool you. So we need to get to a place where we can look at these things and go, yeah, I'm okay with that. I can do those things. I can be a part of that. And if you can't, God love you. God love you. You'll find a place that you can do what it is they want you to do there. But until then, would you pray? Would you ask? Would you see if this is the place that God wants you to be? And if it is, would you be in unity with us and not just in agreement with us? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you have a design, that you have something that you've called each and every one of us to be. And I know and have shared what that is here, God, and I, and I believe in that. I believe it's your idea, not mine. I believe it was your desire more than it was mine. And I just hope that, that you would be able to, to, to unify our hearts. You would be able to unify us as one so we can accomplish and we can become what it is that you called us to do. 
because I don't want to do it on my own. I don't want to do it by myself. I want to do it with a group of people that is sold out for you. So begin to change hearts, God. Begin to unify us as one. We love you, Lord. We love the position that you've placed us in this city. In Jesus' name. Thank you.